Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside and sitting across from a, from a woman who I feel like I've known for a really long time, uh, but we just actually met through the screen. Kristen Jensen, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here with you, Ginny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was telling you that um, I have your book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing today's young kids. Um, And I looked back when I first got it back in 2016. So I've been aware of what you've been doing and we've been using um, your book in our family for some years now. So it's really always a delight to actually cross paths with someone who's sort of influenced your home. And so thank you for taking this time to be with us. Yeah, I'm so, that always makes me feel so happy to know that, you know, parents are really being able to use this resource and to help their kids and to strengthen their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give a little bit of your background. Um, You say protecting kids became your passion after you received a late night phone call from a traumatized mother dealing with the consequences, the tragic consequences of a porn addicted son. Since then you've become a best-selling author, a frequent speaker and a guest on podcast webinars and radio broadcasts. You actively blog um, at Defend Young Minds. So I found you when actually it was called Protect Young Minds. And you serve on the Coalition to End Sexual Exploitation Prevention Task Force. Uh, you're the mother of three. Really, I love this in your bio. Really great kids. You live with your really supportive husband and extremely cute doggy in Washington. You've got a BA in English and an MA in organizational communication. Um, and, and your book really is an influential one in families all, all across I'm sure the world, um, but I know all across the country. Yeah, we have it in, I don't know, I think it's like 10 languages now. Wow. I have a whole uh, thing of like Russian, Italian, Ukrainian, wow. Chinese, Spanish, German, you know, just going on and on. I think we, Greek. Wow. Did you I mean, ever, ex- did so you ever languages. expect, did you oh. expect it? No. Yeah. No, never. No, this has been a wild ride, but yeah, but you know, um, it's never a dull moment. I think it. Sure. I think it shows too how much parents are clamoring for this information, and it's also really controversial. Um, I know it's a tricky space to be in because people have deep feelings about what should be taught and what shouldn't be taught, and and that type of thing. So I commend you for stepping into a space that's tricky. I know with one thousand hours outside we're trying to sort of balance out screens and nature. And, and so, um, you know, we talk a lot about that screens aren't evil necessarily, that they're useful in so many ways. And and we're just trying to sort of bring back that balance between real and virtual, but there definitely are some dangers. And, and this is one of the big ones. So can you tell us what's your background, what's your story? Um, How did you end up writing this book? Yes. Well, Jenny, I was, uh, I moved to a new, area, new uh, city, and met a woman. She had a large family, and she called me up one night, asked if we could talk, and I found out that her oldest son had been molesting his younger brothers and sisters from the 14-year-old down to the four-year-old, and it was, like I said, a large family, and porn was definitely a big part of it, and I know now, and I didn't know then, how much porn is fueling 
a huge increase in child-on-child harmful sexual behavior. So I woke up the next morning and I just had this thought, kind of like a drumbeat in my mind about, you know, warning, how do you warn the young children? How, How do you do that? So I thought, well, you know, I mean, we talk to kids about stranger dangers and body safety and all these kinds of things. So, of course, there's going to be a couple of books about how to talk to kids about porn. And I'll just go to Amazon or I'll go, you know, wherever, and I'll just find those books and I'll buy them and I'll give them to my friend. But I could not find any. And so I started doing some research and I had this crazy thought, well, you should write it. So um, I, that's what I did. I started to write a book. I thought it would just take a few weeks. You know, you see all those advertisements. You can be a children's book author. You know, I've got a degree in English. Like how hard could this be? Well, it took three years. Wow. Um, I did a lot of testing with moms, especially and dads. And uh, that's how good pictures, bad pictures, porn proofing today's young kids was born. And it was really for, it's for seven to 11 year olds. It's a read aloud book. So you just read it to your kids and learn on the way. I've had so many parents tell me, I didn't know this. So it talks about the brain, right? And how the brain can become tricked by pornography and how you have a thinking brain and a feeling brain and the two brains and how they work together. So, So kids love it. They love to learn about their brain. And, um, then a few years later, I started having people come to me asking me for a book for younger kids. And I remember the first time a mom came up to me after I was speaking uh, and she came up to me and said, do you have something for like preschoolers? And I'm like, what? I mean, it felt like someone had like punched me in the gut because I'm like, I got a lot of guff from people saying seven was much too young to begin a conversation about pornography. And now moms and dads were asking me to write a book for three-year-olds. So that's how Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior uh, came about. Now I'm working on one for older kids, like 11 to 13, tweens kind of, because I've had so many people ask for that age. So I'm trying to do that. So it's, it definitely has filled a niche or a need because I did so little like advertising at all in the beginning. And it became an Amazon number one bestseller, just like word of mouth. Wow. Wow. Well, people are clamoring for the information. It's new. It's a new thing. And I think we talk about that as parents, you know, there's always new generations and there's always new problems, but but some of them are similar to things that people had to deal with before. And so you can kind of navigate, but this is not that this is completely different. Mm -hmm. And, and so to have information out there is so valuable for parents and, and the good pictures, bad pictures, junior is phenomenal. It really does hit that age group and sort of explain that there are good pictures out there, cute pictures. And I love that there's that find the 19 cameras. I mean, that's a really special touch in the book, yeah. you know, but you're yeah. starting to talk to your kids about what they see and what they don't see. I remember we when we read it to our oldest son for the first time, 
there were things in there that I would not have thought of. Um, so for example, if they see pornography to walk away and not to try and close the window or close it out because other things are going to be popping up, you know, that you immediately close your eyes and leave. I thought that was something I wouldn't have thought of on my own. Um, and even, you know, we have the policy now not to look at other people's phones, uh, which is not something that I would have thought to say to my children, you know, when they're out and about and they're with friends or family, um, you know, that we don't look at other people's phones mm-hmm. and that's a conversation that, that we have often. So, so talk, can you tell us about um, some of the strategies that you have here um, and how we yeah. guide our kids through? Yeah. So first of all, is the premise that you want your children to be prepared, not scared, but be prepared because none of us do very well when we're caught off guard. So that's why you want to read them the book or have your own conversations. Um, But there are three things that kids need to know in order to have, you know, a beginning of of rejecting pornography. So one is a definition. They need to be able to recognize what it is that they're seeing. And the definition can be very simple. Uh, In the book, we say something like um, pornography means pictures of people with little or no clothing on that focuses on the private parts of the body we keep covered with a swimsuit. So that Mm -hmm. seems very simple. Although, Jenny, it took actually quite a long time to come up with that very simple definition. I'm sure. And so you want to, you want a definition. And then the second thing is you want a warning. They need to understand why pornography is a problem. You know, it's unfortunately as kids get older, especially it's just everywhere and it's Mm -hmm. easy to find. Um, I was talking with someone earlier today and he was saying how, he got onto social media as a kid with Pinterest. He asked his mom wow. if he could have a Pinterest account. And she just thought, no problem. Well, there's a ton of porn you can access on Pinterest. So I, anyway, so you need to give them a reason. You need to give them arguments like why you want to turn away, why you don't want this a part of your life. And as they get older, you need to get give stronger and stronger arguments um, against pornography. So when they're really young, like three, four, five, six, you know, you can just kind of give them a simple like analogy, like their picture poison or something that will hurt your brain. But um, as they get older, you really need to get stronger arguments. Um, and then number three is they need a plan. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you do? You're hit with this, like, what do you do? And not only what do you do in the moment, but what do you do when those pictures come back and bother you? And because the brain is designed to remember shocking things, pornography is shocking. And um, so with those three things in mind, those, the books really cover all of those three basics. Yeah. And in a fantastic, Um, in a fantastic job. Um, Just, I think you walk through it so well and hit those things so well. It is shocking. And what's interesting is actually, I just read this book um, by Pam Lobley. She's got this book about why, you know, 
I don't know, something about when her kids were too busy, why can't we just play? And she talks in there about the things that popped up and she thought she had more time. And, and actually it had to do with cell phone use. I think she said, you know, her son had a friend over and he had a cell phone and all of a sudden she said, and I thought I had several more years to figure this out. So what are you telling parents Mm -hmm. in terms of ages and what, you know, what do parents think is the right age? What does their brain say? Like, you know, Oh, probably I have until they're 12 or 13, but what really is the age that we should be um, broaching the subject? Yeah. I think most parents think that, you know, they'll, they might have to talk about it when their kids are teenagers. Um, But what we're finding is that children, that there are no iron gates on the internet. So when a child has any access to the internet, and I mean any access, they need, you need to start this conversation. You need to build, start building um, this kind of, um, you know, a a disposition, right? Educators talk about you know, building a disposition in children, a disposition to turn away from pornography and understanding of why we don't want that to be a part of our lives and why it's going to harm us and hurt us. So um, I think it's not any particular age. It's probably younger than you think. And it's when they have access to the internet, any access. So if they're going over to a grandparent's house and the grandparents have devices and they're not locked down, I've heard so many stories and I'm a grandma now too. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, of kids, you know, going to grandma's house. Hey, can I get on your computer and play a game? You know, and you're not, you don't, not going to think, you're, you know, you're not going to think that your child Uh, is going to be interested in pornography at such a young age. But the truth is kids are very interested in learning and pornography is something that um, can be very intriguing Mm. to a child and they're not bad kids. They're just normal biological humans that are curious. So we have to warn them early. And that's why the book, the junior book is for three-year-olds. I've read it to my two-year-old grandson. So it's, it's gentle. You'll see, you know, there's no bad pictures in there. It doesn't, you know. It's a, it's a great book. It's excellent. You did an excellent job with it. I'm sure that you have parents that come and they say, well, I don't want to tell my kids about this. You know, they want to sort of preserve the innocence or, you know, they're, they feel uncomfortable. And why is this approach? A really good way to go. Yeah. So, you know, when I was growing up, you had half a chance of, you know, your kid not seeing pornography. It was basically magazines, newspapers, those kinds of things. And, you know, Playboy. <laughs> uh, Playboy is quaint now. That That's most kids wouldn't even consider that to be pornography. They don't see nudity as pornography. Wow. Um, that's interesting. No, they don't. No, it's wow. so far beyond that. that yeah. And that's, that's one thing too, is the parents don't realize what is out there. Yeah. They think it's just, you know, two people having sex. Mm. That is just not it. I mean, it's, 
it's often more than two. Um, it can be with animals. Um, there's so many degrading acts that are done in pornography that you would, and I wouldn't even describe it on your podcast. Right. So um, it's a really interesting point, Kristen, because I used to work in a, in a high school. I taught high school math before we had kids and I was in the high school for about five years and it was pre iPhone. I, um, I stopped teaching in 2008 and the iPhone came out in 2009. Um, and, and the things I didn't have a classroom because the school was too crowded and, you know, I would, I would walk from room to room during the passing time and I had this cart with all of my stuff on it. And, um, and it was hectic and really chaotic and, um, but I was, I'm kind of shorter and I was, you know, 22. So I kind of blended in. And, and I used to say, if these parents could overhear what is actually going on in these hallways and what the kids are talking about and what everyone is hearing, I was vulgar beyond vulgar. And, and when you say things I wouldn't describe on this podcast, I feel like there were things I overheard in the high school hallway that I wouldn't ever repeat. And, and beyond that, um, I was also involved with the math curriculum, uh, K-12, all the way through and, and helping make sure that the different grades were aligned with each other. And so I was at this parent meeting one night with seventh grade parents who are 12, you know, their kids are 12. And, and the kids at that time, this is pre-iPhone, were, you know, they were having relationships with each other and videoing it on their flip phones and then texting it to all the classmates. And so parents were shocked. And and I think that you do bring up a really good point is something that I thought way back then, which was these parents don't really know um, what's going on. And and I I think um, in some ways it's probably nice not to know uh, because it has gone quite far. Um, but then on the other hand, I, I do think we probably should know. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, but it's harmful for the kids Yeah, because they don't have anyone to really turn to. I mean, if they see something, they don't really, if their parents haven't opened up that conversation or if, if they, every time they make a mistake, their parent jumps and yells and, you know, is um, punishing them. Um, I think that kids think, well, my mom got mad at me for this little thing. If she finds out I was looking at pornography and, you know, I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, they sure. really are afraid. So that's why we have to start these conversations early early enough to make a difference. And it is important for us to know what's going on. It yeah. really is. I um, I read a book, this is actually five years ago called uh, the American Girls. Um, American Girls and the Secret uh, Social Media and the Secret Life of Teens or Teenagers. Okay. And um, I thought I knew a lot back then and I was shocked. Yeah. So that's five years ago. Um, I think that it would be really helpful, even though it's not fun to learn all these things. It's really important to be educated. So that's why with our um, website, defendyoungminds.com, we have this process where you educate yourself and you educate, then you empower your children and then you keep the conversation going. 
So those are the three things you've got to educate yourself. And we have a quick start guide that you can download for free. And it just gets you going like, here are the basics. Um, It won't scandalize you, but it will give you some good information. And, you know, you just don't want your kid to be the one that uh, has never heard of this, doesn't have anyone to talk to about it. I can't tell you how many people come up to me as adults and say, I wish my parents had had your book because, you know, I started looking at it and it hurt, you know, you know, so many things it can do hurt your mental health, but it can ruin your ability to have a good marriage. And so there's every reason to be, you know, I say safer. I mean, sorry, sooner is safer. So hashtag, right? Yes. I saw the hashtag. Sooner is safer. Um, I'll tell you a story. This one of my favorite stories is uh, uh, a mom read her nine-year-old son, good pictures, bad pictures. And then, you know, when he went off to school, three days later, one of his classmates, third grade, had a smartphone, which is ridiculous, um, but had a smartphone and showed him pornography. And yeah, right I don't at know school, what at school oh, or on oh, the yeah. bus or I have every bus in America is a triple X theater. Mm. And I'm sorry to say that, but it is true. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of five-year-olds being exposed to pornography on the school bus. So your idea of not letting your kids look at other people's phones, I always say at least tell your child. If someone says, hey, I want to show you something, say, ask, what are you going to show me? You know, what are you going to show me? Because I may not want to look at it. But this little boy went home. He told his mom and he said to her, mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. You know, I was scared, but I knew what to do. You can just feel the burden coming off of his little shoulders because he had been warned and he had an ally and he knew that he could talk to his mom and dad about this. And, and it was open and he wasn't going to get into trouble. So do your kids a favor, give them a gift of knowledge and of a relationship with you that is open and walk this walk with them. It almost facilitates a different type of parenting style where you, you can't have that type of parenting style these days, that really shuts conversation down. There has to be um, that relationship piece there because they're being exposed to such new and drastic things um, that, that kids were never exposed to before. Right. And, you know, sometimes I, uh, uh, an analogy is, let's say you're out hiking in the woods and there are known bears. I was recently in Idaho hiking. And actually we were doing some uh, biking too. And, you know, I have a little bell on my, my bike and I'm bing, bing, because bears, right? There's signs all over. There are bears here. And, you know, sometimes I think about when it comes to technology, we just send our kids down the trail. Hey, wow. if you have a problem, let me know. But if you find a bear, you know, these mm-hmm. kids don't know what bears are. They don't know what is right. h- hitting them. 
And so we need to be the ones out front when it comes to technology. And I know that's hard. It's like, you're going to have to give up some time doing something else. If you're just going to have to relegate some time to this project, Uh, but the returns on your investment (laughs) will be made manifest as these kids, you know, grow into adults. Yeah. Do you have, do you have parents who say this isn't really that big of a deal? There are those parents out there. Yeah. And there are parents also that say, well, I just have daughters, so I'm, I'm good. Interesting. Like that, unfortunately girls are getting into this as much as boys or they're, and they're more vulnerable because we're not worried about them. Wow. And there's so much pressure. I, I actually, um, you know, you have these small experiences through your life and that are like such small moments, but they can be so impactful. I remember, um, within the last 10 years being with, you know, my kids were little at that point and I was with a friend's kids that were teenagers, early high school. I know. So I was asking, you know, this one of them was a girl, you know, are, are you dating? You know, the kind of questions you ask, right? Like a ninth grader, are you dating? And she said to me, she said, no, she said, all the boys at the school, they ask for nudes. And I, Kristen, I didn't even know what that word was. I said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? What's nudes? You know, and I was like, spell it, you know, <laughs> and then she's like nude photos, you know, and I was like, I didn't even know. So even just, I can't really even comprehend the pressure that kids are under in this, in this day and age. I, so I remember school being so much peer pressure you know, back in the 80s and the 90s. And now these kids are being pressured to send photos and, you know, they're seeing their classmates I mean, being intimate with each other. So um, there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot. I think, to talk. I think that is the really, you know, pornography really uh, desensitizes kids, you know, so that they don't seem to have a problem with sending nudes. I talked with a police, a school resource officer recently. And he estimates, and he's in this like little town in Idaho. Um, Officer Gomez, he's on Facebook and Instagram. It may be Deputy Gomez that he goes under his handle. But anyway, Deputy Gomez, he said that by the time kids get to be like a junior in high school, 80% of the girls have already sent nudes. Wow. Four out of five. I was, even I was like. By age 16. And I just take the rest of the day off and cry. (laughs) You know, Um, so we have to start. And so in good pictures, bad pictures, junior, we, we have those five rules. And one of them is, you know, don't let anyone take pictures of your private parts and never, you know, yeah. or tell somebody if, the, if anyone wants to do that and uh, never send them to anybody. You know, the thing is this, boys that ask for nudes, they have plenty of pornography to look at, okay? A nude picture of a 13-year-old girl, not necessarily for sexual arousal. Hmm. What is it for? It's for social currency. Wow. And control, right? So, um, wow, has our I world think, changed? Wow, 
Yes. What so, kids are having to deal with. You know, boys, I, I, I don't want to put it all on boys. I mean, they feel pressure too. Like mm-hmm. if they don't have this currency who, you know, they feel the pressure mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And so if we could just explain to them how, you know, talk about objectification, talk about how we don't want to turn people into objects because it's easy to kick a ball, right? Once somebody's an object, it's easy to hurt them physically. And that's what happens in porn. The violence in porn is sickening. Um, so we, and we don't want our children's like initial, um, you know, concept of sex to be porn. I mean, it's just the 180 degrees opposite of what a healthy uh, sexual relationship looks like, um, at least according to all of the social science that I've looked at. Um, my own personal experiences, you know, I just don't think that uh, the violence is is going to contribute to anyone's healthy concept of of sex. And so you see these guys that are like, you know, they're strangling the girl, and so you know, and and the, but don't girls like this? Don't they like to be choked? Isn't that a thing? Oh, wow. I cannot imagine being five years old and seeing that and seeing this. And they have what, no, what is it doing it, to our kids? I know. I know. So the, we have to be proactive. Yeah. We can't, you know, we can't be those parents that are just like, oh, it'll all be fine. It's, you know, mm. you have to be proactive. You have to, because it's, it's really not if it's when. It, it's like air pollution. You really can't keep yeah. this. You cannot protect. In fact, we used to be protect young minds. Now we're defend young minds. And I still love the word protect. You know, yeah. We want to protect our kids. But we used to have a logo where, you know, here it is, where you've got a square or a rectangle around protect young minds. Well, we used to think that's, that's what we want. We want like this fork around our kids' minds. Guess what? Doesn't work does not work. Um, We need to teach our kids digital defense skills so that we can work with them uh, in in defending their minds because um, they've got to be involved. They've got to be part of this. And you mentioned earlier about innocence. Yeah. And I just want to put this out there. Innocence is not the goal. Innocence is not the goal. The goal is having a child know what is healthy, what is unhealthy, what is good, what is bad for them, right? What is good for them, what is bad for them. And know the difference so that they can make the choice, use their thinking brain, right? To make the choice to keep themselves healthy and to keep their brains healthy. So innocence, if that is your goal, your child is vulnerable. Innocence is a fairy tale. (laughs) I got chills when you said earlier, I was scared when that little boy said I was scared, but I knew what to do. I thought, wow, that is what we want for our children. You know, I can't, 
I, it's hard to wrap your he- your brain around the the changes in culture that have happened in such a short period of time. You know that the majority of girls feel some sort of a pressure to send nude photos and and that type of thing. What what is this doing to kids' brains? Um, you know, how is it affecting them? Is it addictive? I know you you do a yeah. lot of research on that. So yes, and I have done a lot and. And everything in good pictures, bad pictures is backed by science. And you can find all of that on the website, defendyoungminds.com. So we keep our kids from tobacco, from alcohol. You know, your kid, your seven-year-old is probably not going to be able to get his hands or her hands on heroin, right? Right, right. Um, (laughs) So you don't see eight-year-olds walking around smoking cigarettes and we protect them from those things. The thing we're not protecting them from is pornography. So they are getting, they are seeing, there's no, uh, there's just no iron gates once they get online and, you know, kind of like, you know, when you have a little two-year-old and they start to walk and run and they start to be able to run, well, that's when you're like, okay, now we've got to really train this child not to run out into the street. Yeah. Right. Hold mommy's hand, hold daddy's hand, stop at the corner, whatever. Um, and it's the same thing with the internet superhighway. You know, we cannot just let our kids go out there without some kind of like internet driver's ed. We have yeah. to start training them from a young age. It's our duty. It's our responsibility and we can do it. There are yeah, tools. I mean, for sure. 10, 11 and it's not years that hard. Ago, there weren't so many. It's you know, I think when you read your books, you know, you're like, okay, this is not that overwhelming. This is something that I can do, that I can be empowered, that I can power, empower my children. I mean, it, it's, you lay it out so simply. And I like that analogy. It's a really good one. I, you know, you, I do remember it, those years are hard. You know, when your kid hits 18 months, and they can run pretty fast, you know, they can, you know, they're, they're scooting along, and, but they don't know anything. They could, they would run right out into the road. They would run into the water. They'd run off, you know, the, you know, the dock. And, and so you are vigilant yeah. for a very long time yes. and teaching them and that type yeah. of thing. It's and a good analogy. That's a perfect, yes. And that's a perfect, like when you think about it, yeah, they'll just toddle off, you know, um, and it's exhausting. And and this this is sort of similar. But like you said, this is our role as a parent to be the protector, to be the gatekeeper, mm-hmm. to give our kids the tools. I, I was interesting yeah. reading your website is fantastic, but interesting reading about mm-hmm. um, that beyond the addiction, that there are other issues um, yes. like you talked at the very beginning. Yes. And I didn't know the story about the child on child abuse, but other issues like that and exploitation. So. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? And, and when do we yeah. introduce those things to our kids? Right, right. So, yeah, addiction is very real. But even if, you know, not every kid gets addicted, although I have to say, I think it's quite addicting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get into some of the brain science, you can see why. I mean, if you had a meth problem and you could get meth from your smartphone, 24-7, free and anonymously, would you have a meth problem? Would you have an addiction problem? Uh, yeah. So that's the issue with porn. 
I mean, and it is addicting. And so, yes, that is one thing. Um, and it's really the only thing that we, you know, we let kids get addicted to, you know, and they can get addicted to video games and those kinds of things. So these electronics, these digital addictions um, are very real um, and they are concerning. But again, pornography teaches kids that, you know, people are objects because really it's focusing on the body parts. It's focusing on it's using and abusing people. Uh, so it, you know, and I never, I think the word objectify is not strong enough. I want a wow. better word. And so I like to say, you know, dehumanizing objectification. It is dehumanizing. And so what does that do to our kids when they see adults acting in this way? Well, kids' brains are filled with mirror neurons, which help them to imitate, right? Mm. They imitate what they see you do. And we, every parent has seen this. And sometimes it's scary and sometimes it's hysterical, but um, so they imitate what they see adults do when they see pornography. It should not be surprising that children will then seek to act it out. Not every, not every kid. I'm not saying every kid, but it's really concerning. Um, You know, the, the, uh, military is having huge problems with this on their basis and they have come out. Um, and this is, well, I think it's back in 2018. So four years ago, uh, our organization, um, um, helped to sponsor a symposium on this topic of child on child, harmful sexual behavior. And, so many leaders back in Washington, DC, so many military leaders were there. Um, they are seeking to figure this problem out uh, wow. even now. So it is a problem. Now, if you think having your kid look at pornography and even become like a compulsive user of it is a, is a problem, which it is, Think about what if your what if your child acts out sexually on another child or yeah. on a sibling. Yeah. Then you've got a whole nother problem. And yeah. so much of this is being fueled by pornography. It used to be that if a child acted out sexually, then the rule was, oh, they had a hands-on perpetrator. Uh, and usually an adult, right? Right. Oh, where's the perpetrator? Where's the adult? Where was the sexual abuse? Now, pornography is the biggest sexual abuser of children out there. And so they're being sexualized, but in a very toxic way. They're then, you know, trying it out on each other. Wow, Kristen. I mean, that is such a, it's such a thing though. I mean, I think that if you've not thought about it or it's, it's a new idea to you, it is shocking, but it's so good to know about because your point is then you're, then you're dealing with criminal issues at that point. And, and that would, 
I mean, it would derail your whole life. And so, you know, when you're talking about innocence, right? It's like, well, I do think that actually maybe this is the way that you are preserving their innocence, which is by giving them tools to be able to by step, you know, at least throughout their childhood. And yes, you will give them. Yeah, you will give them, you will actually help them preserve their innocence. Mm -hmm. If you teach them to reject pornography, right as a young child, right. And at least they'll have the option and know how to do it. You know, kids still have their choices, but it's, it's something that so then the other thing is just kids becoming kind of primed sexually. And then, you know, being online, being in chat rooms, being in games, and there's predators there. And you think, well, how could that actually happen? Well, predators share information. So if you don't think that there are predators in your town trying to get to your kid and that they don't have ways to figure out how to, I mean, they do. They're smart. They're technologically savvy. Yeah. And there's also sextortion rings out there where they will, um, they're very savvy. They have like, three different people all posing as the same person. The first one is good at making that initial contact and starting the friendship. The second one is good at getting photos. The third one is good as extorting sexual photos from the child, sexual videos. And then, um, you know, and then putting them up on a porn site. I mean, it's, um, and unfortunately, this is happening, and so many people just want to, you know, hear no evil, see no evil. You know, we have to open our eyes. We have to look around. We have to understand the world that our kids are growing up in today. Not the world that we grew up yeah. in, but the world that they're actually growing up in. And like you said, it's once you get started, it's not that hard. You can do yeah. this, mm-hmm. and there are resources to help you now where 10, 15 years ago, there weren't, but now there are books, not just my books, but other people's books, there's websites, there are social media channels dedicated to helping parents with these digital kind of problems. So there's lots of hope. If I didn't think there was hope, Jenny, I wouldn't be doing it. I just crawl in a hole somewhere, but I'm not. (laughs) Well, and I'm sure you hear you hear story after story, I'm sure, in your line of work and because you've authored these books that you're hearing the stories of hope and, and um, you know, mm-hmm. and it's such yeah. important work that you're doing is what, what do you say to parents who, um, you know, who are too late and, you know, there's already been exposure and they're already struggling. What do they do? Okay. So A, you're never too late to defend your children. Okay. Mm-hmm. To fight for your children. Okay, so just take the too late out of your vocabulary. And that's another reason we like defend, because you can always defend your child and you can always help your child defend themselves. So um, we often find people coming to our website that have the situation. Their oldest has gotten into pornography. They don't know what to do. And now they want to help that child, but also really uh, protect defend their younger children. So we have a a guide, nominal price, very inexpensive uh, on our website. It's like 80 pages. So it's more like an ebook and it's a compilation. uh, It's called my kids saw porn. Now what a 
a smart plan, you know, a smart plan for parents. So I use the smart uh, as a, um, you know, S stands for, you know, stay calm. So this is what, what you do when you find out your child has a problem with porn. Let's go through the steps. Um, I will just say that you're not alone. <laughs> um, if you were to go to the grocery store and look at, you know, all the other parents that are grocery shopping, you know, you're looking at a lot of parents that are facing this issue. They yeah. just don't talk about it, you know, and we have a Facebook group actually that you can join to talk about these issues. You can, it's, um, and you can, it's in our community on our Facebook and you can ask questions anonymously so that, yeah, you know, that's a great feature that they have in child. there. The yeah. anonymous post. So yeah. 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 So join us. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a group, our Facebook group, go find it. Um, tackle the tech. Okay. I we like just that. renamed it. So tackle, tackle the, the tech. tech. Um, but we're not just talking about tech. We're talking about parenting in mm-hmm. a technical digital age. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot to figure out. Can you tell me, okay, so you've got your three books back there. Tell me about the green one. The parent, is it a parent teacher guide? This is called a guidebook for professionals. And honestly, parents could use it too. Right. Uh, But but I had so many requests from therapists that wanted to use good pictures, bad pictures in their practice. Yeah. And we've, we're just starting to launch this book. Um, It has 15 different kinds of interventions that you can do their activities that you can do with kids who have been traumatized by pornography mm-hmm. that will really just bring home the good pictures, bad, you know, all the concepts in good pictures, bad pictures and um, extend them and magnify uh, the power of the book. So um, yeah, educators can use it too. Parents can use it. Um, I say, go for it. There's lots yeah. of there's artistic interventions um, anyway, there's, there's all kinds of activities and they're described in an easy to understand manner. So, uh, we did it for therapists and educators, but again, no reason parents can't do it, can't right. use it as well. So you've got this sort of suite of three books, um, the good pictures, bad pictures, good pictures, bad pictures, junior, and then this, this one for, um, therapists, or like you said, parents can use it. But then you also have courses. You have free things on your website as well. I was looking through yeah. at some of the articles. Like um, I saw one porn on the Apple Watch, how clever kids can find it and how you can block it, you know, and, and things about guilt and things about the metaverse. So a lot of things on there that are free, um, just great resources for parents. But then you also have some yeah. some curriculum. Right. So we have a curriculum. Um that is called Brain Defense Digital Safety. It's for kids ages 7 to 11, right in there. And I don't do the teaching because that would be boring. But it, it's um, the Brain Gang. And these are six diverse teams that are positive. They are teaching your child to use technology in healthy ways, teaching them to reject pornography, teaching them how to deal with um, uh, predators, how to deal with bullies, 
how to be a good digital citizen, and also screen time. Talk a lot about how unhealthy it is to be on screens too long and that you need a balance. You need to have uh, friends in real life. Um, So it covers a lot of those things. And the great thing about brain defense is very affordable. Um, It it will um, definitely help you as a parent, super easy, push and press and play kind of a thing. But, and it's also for, we have, we have versions for teachers and, and, or churches or, you know, but the thing about it is, is this, you should be talking to your kids about this for sure. But if they have another source saying, yeah, you know, be careful how you choose your content and be, you know, and all of the, these digital safety messages coming from somebody else and this program, it you're just building the credibility yeah. of your Especially art. at those ages, right? That we've talked all the way through today about how kids emulate. And, and especially at those ages, they're wanting to be like that sort of next stage. And so that's a brilliant idea to have, you know, that age of teens, a little bit older, talking, talking through those issues. Well, it wasn't my idea. This all comes from prevention science. Yeah. So there's a body of prevention science that started with the DARE program. And yeah. we just took advantage of all that information. Yeah. And also, and the methodology of it, don't want to get too technical here, but um, we, you know, we really learned, we didn't just invent this, you know, from our own brains. We really use studies and. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what, it's what marketers use. I mean, We've talked to I've talked about that to other people on this podcast and talking about, you know, marketing and the and the um you know how things are so um there's so, the marketing machine is so huge, but they do the same thing. It's like if they want the kid to buy the Tonka truck, you know, they show just an, an age of kid that's one bracket up, you know, that's how they're trying to grab the kid's attention. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's really brilliant. Well, Kristen, I so appreciate you taking this time. I know it's a topic that um, parents are just searching for information for, and we've had such great experience with your books. Um, and so very thankful to have those as resources in our own home. People can find you at defendyoungminds.com. We're going to switch gears just for the very end, because we always end the same way. And mm-hmm. uh, we end with an outdoor memory. Uh, so something that you remember from your childhood. Oh, so... Um, when I was a child, my dad, uh, my parents were divorced, unfortunately, but my dad lived in Indiana, uh, part of my childhood and he had five acres and a lake and we just got to roam. We were outside all day long. We really were. And he built us a tree house um, we used to, there was a, a, a very wealthy woman. If you just went on this, it was like a rural route uh, in Columbus, Indiana. And if you went out, there was this beautiful mansion with lovely lakes and swans. Wow. And if we went up to the door and rang the doorbell, she had a maid and they had a Coke machine. So we'd try to get a Coke. We didn't always get one, but sometimes they would. And then if you went up, there was a road that went up. It was on this property 
up on a hill and it was through woods and then on the hill there was an orchard and we go up there and get wow. peaches <laughs> wow so we loved it we i was we were outside all the time swimming and exploring and being in our you know our wonderful tree house and uh fishing and so I love being out of doors and it refreshes me. It just, I think what you're doing is so wonderful with the a thousand hours. And, and now we're finding out the value of light. I yeah. mean, near infrared light and how healthy it is for mm-hmm. you and how it actually, I just watched a, a video on this on YouTube, how it goes mm-hmm. through your brain and it helps your immune system and it helps. Yeah. Anyway. Get yeah, the there's, a there's a lot. There's a lot. Go pick peaches. Go find a maid to give you a Coke. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what memories. Those are delightful. I love it. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. So great to finally connect with you in person. And, um, and we will definitely be using all the resources that you have in our own family. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to invite everyone to come to defendingyourminds.com see all the download the free guides that we have we have guides on smartphones we have lots of guides and uh take advantage of of all the work that we've done for you so because we know you're busy yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah come join us we love to be walking along with you for sure thank you thank you Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.